Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge for a fresh new start. They never will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning, good afternoon everyone This is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ after my sister, Marsha Joyce And we have the author of Ice and Stone Marsha Muller here And this is going to be so great this is really interesting because it's about what happens to indigenous women and prejudice. This is great. So good afternoon and welcome to MJ Network from snowy New York. <laughs> Thank you. It's nice to be here. Yes, Although not it is. in the Finally. snow. <laughs> <laughs> it's freezing, but we, it's okay. So tell us, uh, give us all our listeners, and there's a lot of people listening, um, the summary about, about this story and how it started. Um, It started because I had been collecting a lot of articles on missing or murdered indigenous women. Mm. Um, My detective, Sharon McCone, is a Shoshone, and so it just seemed that she would investigate something like this. And um, in the book, she goes to a fictional and small California county up on the border with Oregon. And um, there have been two murders, and she encounters a lot of prejudice, a lot of acceptance, a lot of danger, which is her stock and trade. She's, it's amazing. She really is brave because she goes through a lot. So why did you focus, and I know that there's been problems with indigenous women before, why did you focus on them, and why didn't the officials, why did they just think it wasn't murder? Um, In those little counties, the officials are often very biased against indigenous people. Mm -hmm. And so it, it was their way of just dismissing it. That that's sad. It really is sad. And yeah. they're supposed to take everything seriously. It bothers me up here too. You know, it depends uh-huh. on who you are as to if they're going to handle what's wrong with you, what what a problem. And that get you know any kind of prejudice gets me angry anyway. That's beside the point. Yes, yes. Well, it gets me angry too, which is one of the reasons that I chose to address the issue. That that's what made a better book. So tell us about Crimes Against Indigenous Sisters and why they hired Sharon. Um, The Crimes Against Indigenous Sisters are modeled on a real-life organization called Murdered and Missing Indigenous People, Women. And um, they hired Sharon because... 
of her reputation as a private eye who is also interested in preserving justice. And she um, came to them through another organization, and they felt she was the best to do the job. Yeah, Why did she, she decide to do cover. it, though? What? I'm sorry? Why? Why did she decide to do it? Um, she's very strong that way. She really believes in taking on clients who are the underdog and helping them to get solutions to their cases. That's amazing because a lot of people wouldn't. So mm-hmm. where, where does this where does this story take place? What is the setting? Um, it is a small county on the Oregon border. Very um, very varied terrain. It's got a huge cattle ranches, mountains, in a very um, sinister kind of mountains. And, you know, it just seemed like the perfect place for people to be hiding secrets. That is amazing, yeah. So where were these two women found dead, and what about them was the same? They were found in the on the grounds of an old monastery that had been deserted for probably a hundred years or more and they knew each other they probably were there together and Uh you know some hunters discovered the bodies after a few days so who are the people that basically work with her or try to find out who this is who they were um, the people, well, she was undercover there and working yeah, pretty much alone. Although mm. she does have contact with her agency and people there who can do research that she needs. Um, in this area, you can't get internet. You just, it's really cut off. That's hard. That is hard. So when, yes. where did she stay? She stayed in a secluded place, and it wasn't yes, exactly it the best place to stay. So when did she realize that she might be in danger because she was so by herself? Where did she exactly and who who gave her this place to stay? The place was supplied by the organization who hired her. It had been an old cabin that. Um, Someone had left to them, and she, uh, it wasn't a great place to stay. It was rather rustic and rather isolated, but she she overheard conversations there between people, you know, who were obviously camping out, mm. and um it started giving her clues. Now, I think one of the hardest things, because I was getting cold just reading the book at times, was the, was the weather. 
Yeah, I was just, I yeah, thought it was cold here. The obstacles she faces during the climate and the area where the shack was, how did that make it hard for her to do her job even more to come out? Because I just stay in and pray that there was a fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, she she really had to struggle with that because she is a native Californian and not really used to weather extremes. So, you know, the climate play a big part in the difficulty of solving the case. It is hard for her. And she took a chance. She's kind of brave doing this, just for the weather alone. So yeah, who well, is Jake, and what is the reason he's involved? Um, he's kind of a catalyst. She gets information mm-hmm. from him. And, you know, eventually has to admit that she is undercover and explain to him who she is. And then he provides even more help. That that's that is amazing. Who is Sally and what's her story? Sally. <laughs> Describe Sally. I'm trying to describe. You know, let's just talk about the sheriff, Noah Aronson. What was his problem with this whole thing? Well, he's bigoted and um, very much wants to maintain control of what he calls his county. Also, he's involved in some illegal activities that he doesn't want uncovered. And, of course, Sharon uncovers them. Now, when they, she was interviewing this, the other girls that were attacked, right, in the hospital. How did she interview yeah. them, and what did you know? And why would they want to help her? I mean, I would imagine they would be afraid. I think they were afraid, but you know, it's the point where enough is enough, and they want, you know, to. They they just want some solution to this. Well, that's kind of brave, anyway. And she was taking she was just taking a chance that nobody realized, you know, who she really was. Anyway, that would have been even worse. Yeah. If even though they will. So who oh, are Jean yeah. and Vic? And they were the thugs. Why were they coming after her and other people? Oh, they were working for the rancher who is behind a lot of this. And they were just sort of, you know, good old cowboys that he'd send out to do whatever he wanted them to. That's scary. That's scary. So when when they, when an indigenous person dies or something, um, who gets the land? Who gets it? It's a tricky question. Yeah. It should go back to the tribe. But the person can sign over the rights to anyone he or she wants to. And in this case, they were counting on them signing over their rights. Well, didn't they threaten some of the people if they didn't sign over their rights? Yes. So the women that were killed, what do they have in common besides being indigenous? That would be something that that would be a reason why they were singled out. They had rights 
to land that there was a rare mineral on the land that if these people were after it because it was extremely um it would be extremely profitable if developed if developed properly mm. if it would yeah why do people why would people want to come there? Why would they want to live there? I think most of them were born there. You know, it's that old thing about sometimes you're born someplace and you just never go anyplace else. I don't like people just, like, they feel stagnated or they're afraid to move. This was done in a timeline. How did you create the timeline for this story? Um, The timeline was a little tricky. I I Mm. do a timeline in each book and very often it doesn't conform with anything in real time so you know certain days have to be days of the week Um, I wanted it to be cold and threatening so it had to be the time of year it was and it's interesting because the book I'm working on now Mm. I'm doing in real timeline as of last year. And I keep having to check the calendar and say, well, she couldn't do that on such and such a day. And it's a little bit more difficult. That That is difficult. What happens when she's, I'm looking at this page on 6.30 a.m., what happens when she's attacked, though? How does she deal with it? Um, not too well. I mean, she's attacked, and then her attacker runs off. And, you know, she just waits until she's sure he's gone and then goes inside the cabin and, you know, patches herself up. And well, who did, is there a way for her... There wasn't a way for her to contact anybody to tell them that she was there. Nobody knew? No cell phones work up there either. And, you know, it's funny. Mm. But thinking about how dependent we are on these devices. Mm -hmm. Because when I started writing her back in 1977, we didn't have those things. And it's interesting because they have, in some ways, made it more difficult Mm -hmm. because there's more easy access. So I had to find a way for her to be virtually cut off. Well, there are a lot of places in this world where there's no cell phone. Oh, yeah. I know. And I know that um, when there was a blackout or, or anything last two years ago, whatever up here, uh, we had um, the, the, we had a, a guest leak, and one of the uh, I think the uh, things exploded outside in the outside in the street, and then all of a sudden everything came up and everything just went black, and it was really scary because I was supposed to go on the air, and I'm saying like, why is my computer off? It was gone. Yeah, it was gone. I was like, are you serious? How did this happen? Yeah. And I was really worried because Optima was dead. 
but my Verizon home phone was okay. And my cell well, that's phone, something. Yeah, my my cell phone was Verizon. It only worked for a little bit, but I, you know, if you get one of those um, things in the store, you can keep it charged for a couple of hours. But there's no plug; you can't plug it in. And well, like, okay, this is yeah, yeah. It's like scary. Yeah, it's, if you don't have that electricity, I know we had a blackout here in December that lasted, I think, a day and a half. Yeah. And you, you feel so helpless. It's even more awful when they bring the fire alarm and tell you from on the top floor that you have to walk down. And you walk oh. down, you have to walk down with my, there's there's no candles or anything. So I had my cell phone, thank God my, there was a light there. So in order oh, to get back gosh. upstairs, the porter's a great, the porter's a great guy. And he, you know, led us up with his flashlight. And you couldn't see well, anything. Oh, yeah, I was in one of those blackouts in mm. Toronto one time where the whole hotel just went black and yeah. people were leading us down the stairways. But it took so long that by the time we got outside, the lights were back. No, it's 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 scary. And when there's a fire drill, I usually call text the super and said, do I really have to go down? Are you serious? Yes, Usually yeah. it's like nothing. Um, could be somebody that cooked the wrong way, and since I don't cook ever and go near to a stove, it couldn't be me. Not even, not even close. <laughs> so, who else is involved when Sharon is attacked? Um, who else? It's the guys from the ranch. So, who, who else is involved in this besides her? Which other characters? Like, was the, what is the Derek agency? Um, well, let's see. Uh, you asked about Sally before, and I just remembered yeah, what is who Sally? she is. She um, was the girlfriend of a very talented artist who lives in the village who just disappeared one day. Mm. And Sharon finds a necklace of hers along the trail to mm. the monastery and eventually that leads back to her and she's located in a hospital nearby and she's, she went, goes to talk to her yes she goes to go to talk to her to find out information and then mm-hmm. she goes to the hospital to talk to somebody else there was somebody else that was there who's Alicia? there's another person uh, she is one. the um Doctor, she's an indigenous woman uh-huh. who grew up on the reservation near the town where Sharon's staying. So and what happens when they need a doctor? They don't, and the indigenous people won't use anybody but their own, right? Well, it depends on the seriousness of the injury, but you know, it's if they need a doctor. It's just sort of, well, can we get one? And, you know, there, there is really no good medical service up there. So you're kind of at the mercy of whether someone's going to send a chopper or an ambulance in or not. So when they, when they, uh, when she found out, well, 
Did she? Did they ever figure out who these people were? Who the two women are that got killed? Yes, they they were local, and uh, people in the town knew them and would talk about them. So you know, she had information on them. But how did this? When she finally finds out who they are, and she can you know put name to them. Does, what does the sheriff do? Does he change his mindset? Or does he still think it's no. not murder? No. He won't change his mindset. You know, that that kind of person never does. And they won't get rid of him. They keep somebody like that. They'll put, most of the people that live there, are they the same way as the sheriff? A lot of them are. And he had such a hold on that county that mm-hmm. nobody was prepared to do anything until the um at the end, you know, the FBI and everybody comes in and, and how do they feel that how does he feel about that when the FBI comes in and they and they you know take over? Um they came in at the very end. Mm. And, you know, she had already started out on the course of action that brought all these people down. And so the FBI just kind of, they saw what she was going to do and said, okay, yeah, and they kept in touch because they had devices that would work up there rather than cell phones. Well, that's amazing. And I'm looking at it. It says, according to her source, phones, computers, you name it. Um, they don't. Have, they didn't have all of that stuff up there. That's that's scary. Yeah, it would be to me. Well, it, it was. It was to me too. <laughs> I, I know that um, going to college, and I didn't have it. My mother didn't give me a cell phone. She just said, you know, if you have a problem, you know, go into the office and call. And back, yeah. it wasn't that far back. She believed, you know, and she also believed that if you're going to be late five minutes, you better find a payphone. You can't find one of those anymore. They don't exist. <laughs> no. Besides, no. With, with what's going on in the world, you're not going to put your face on the pay, on the payphone. They're not exactly the cleanest yeah. things in the world. It, it's so funny if you watch old movies. They're going to payphones. You know, there just aren't any. There's nothing, I know. And sometimes you get stuck, so you're walking and you're going into um, a gas station or you're going into a deli or something, and you have uh-huh. to say to them, can I use your, can you use your, can I use your phone? Um, <laughs> it's the hardest thing in the world. I, I notice that even when people are walking in the street, sometimes you're making a right turn or a left turn, and you're going to tell them, could you wake up because you're going to get hit by the car. People are walking uh, with their phones, and, and they don't, even, they don't yes. even pay attention to what they're doing. It's scary. No it's there. not just people walking with their phones, too. I have Driving. noticed just the last week, people walking who don't look. Yeah. They just step out, and I guess they assume everybody will take care of them. But that's not mm-hmm. always the case. No, it's it's scary. No, it's not, because sometimes somebody's driving... And somebody just walks out in front of them, and out of nowhere, yeah. the driver gets blamed, even though it's not the driver's fault. 
Yeah. It, it's 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 I, happened up here a lot. I you know, we're in a small street, and I said to my husband the other day, we got to really be careful because our parking lot is hard to get out of. And oh, the cars yeah. come in, and all it's like on a hill, and it's very hard to get out of this uh-huh. parking lot. And I go like, I got a nervous breakdown. I have to come out take the car out. And there's only yeah. one way out, and there's like two two buildings that share the driveway. So you have to hope that uh-huh. one one side comes down and the other side goes up. But you never know when the other side's gonna open up the garage to come up and then go like, oh my god, I can't take this anymore. But um, yeah, even getting into the garage is hard at times too. So Sharon faces real danger. What what does she decide to do? I mean, she gets attacked and everything, and yet she stays. She's determined to figure out what happened. How does she yeah, finally she's... piece it together? Well, she. You know, there are pieces, and she gets to know people in the village, and each of the one gives her some little piece that finally it just all, like a jigsaw puzzle, all snaps in, and there is a big picture. So I'm looking at the book right now. Um, how did you decide the title, Ice and Stone, besides the fact that the weather's cold? Uh, it just occurred to me. It seems so evocative of a difficult, dangerous situation. And, you know, I don't like cold either, so, you know, Ice and Stone just kind of seemed right. So who was Sam? And how did he get involved? Sam. And he gets oh, killed, he I think. Was, yeah, he was one of the hunters and, you know, got involved that way. And, you that, know, this is... I'm trying to look the yeah. This is how. How do you? I mean, how does she get out of? Out by, she had to go by plane to different places. So where she is, how do you get out? How do you manage to get where you have to go? Well, she has a plane. Fortunately, she became a pilot many years ago, and mm. she and her husband own a plane. So she flies up, and there is a little hilltop airport very similar to one that I'd flown into, which is really kind of iffy to get below the tree line and stop in time before you're in trees. Mm. But it's, it can be a little dicey, but, you know, she so she flies in, and then the airport manager will um, give her rides into town. So there's a couple of other people. We won't tell how. We can describe who they are. Who is Paul? Paul is one of the sons of the rancher who is orchestrating this whole thing. Yeah, he's pretty clever, too. Yeah. How does it work with the Bureau of Indian Affairs or Bureau of Land Management? Exactly what are they supposed to do to protect these people? Um... Both of them have no authority off the reservation. So there's really nothing much they can do. 
And there's an interesting twist to that, that a white person can go onto the reservation and commit Mm. any sort of crime, but they cannot Mm. be arrested there. They're just free to leave. And this goes back, I think, to old trees and, you know, what have you. That's scary. Yeah. That is scary. Yeah, it's almost you as know, if you're, you, like, you're giving them license to do something wrong because of who they are, and then they don't pay for what they do. That That's like, yeah. really scary. It's but this a is bad not, situation. Well, they're not the only people that people are discriminated against. I mean, I've read other books where it's, oh, it's, it could be black, it could be Spanish, it could be anybody. And oh, going yeah. up where I did in the South Bronx, I don't put up with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, I taught in a tough yeah. school in the Bronx, too. And, um, we, I, you know, a lot of the teachers will, however, but not me in my classes. Not even, the, the, the word never came out. Never came uh. out, you know, against each other, No. I think the funniest thing that ever happened was I came back from Puerto Rico, and one of the kids said, we didn't realize you were one of us. I said, well, now you do. <laughs> I, I was completely burnt and so dark, and they looked at me. They go, we didn't know. I go, now watch out. You never know. <laughs> and it, it was it was hilarious. You have to have a sense that of humor. That is funny. And yeah, it was. And it's like, you finally figured it out. It took you all this time. But they they never ever ever. And I'm little. I'm five feet tall. I weigh nothing. And they look at me like, "Don't mess with her. It's not a good idea." <laughs> oh. It was really amazing. So, what are some of the devices that she had that helped her? And how did they force these people to sign over their land? And nobody said anything. They were so afraid. Um, weapons. They're yeah, big gun weapons are there. And you know they they just intimidated them. Well, people get intimidated yeah. very easily, and you have to not. That's what's scary. That yeah, you know you walk into a do. room uh, like that, they're forcing you to sign something, and rather than stand up for yourself, they're afraid to stand up for mm-hmm. themselves. Which which Most isn't them, then you are. you wind up dead like the other two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you stand up to them, forget it. And the sheriff won't back you up. Oh, yeah, the the sheriff, he might not even have to back you up. You just ignore it. That's really scary. So, in other words, if he saw somebody intimidating an indigenous person and doing whatever, he would just walk away? He wouldn't care? Yep. Yep, doesn't care. And what is the role of the tribal elders? What do they do to protect the people? It's so sad. I'm, I'm sure it's still going on now. So I'm sure it's no different. Oh, I'm sure it's not. Um, they can protect them on the reservation, and they can resort to um, ulterior things off the reservation. But it's it's very hard to... Um, really protect someone in that kind of situation. That is scary. Now, before I yeah. forget, we don't want to forget, um, Monday, 
Dr. Maxine Thompson will be here. We're going to talk about lineage. She's a black author. She's a good friend. And she lived in a white, with a white family when she was younger, uh, growing up. Mm. To see how it felt to go to school in an all-white school, Catholic school, was really good. It was excellent. On the 26th, we have a panel show. And we have four New York Times authors, and we're going to talk about the last line of a novel and how it goes into your next one, or is it the end? On the first, New York Times author David Putnam will be here with the Sinisters. On the third, Brian Freeman, who took over the Jason Bourne series. And on the eighth, the author of The Floppy Possum. And on the tenth, this is really going to be heartfelt, um, Sarah Tier- Celestia Hart wrote a story about the Holocaust, but it's all true. It's all pictures of her family, thousands of her family were, were uh, cremated in a concentration camp. So that's going to be very great, interesting. The 15th, John Land, and the 17th, Cindy McDonald. And that's just February, because where did you hear Philip Margolin in March? And Phil killed off one of my favorite characters. Oh. So we're going to have to talk. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about that. It's a, he killed off a main character that I love. <laughs> Oh, really? And he destroys, yeah. yeah, he destroyed the main character. He destroyed Robin, and he killed off somebody uh, close to her, and I go like, how could you do this to me? <laughs> and so we're going to talk that. about that on the, on the 8th. And we have, it should be, I hate when somebody kills off the main character. So a few other people did that. So if people in this town, you know, there were communities and people that talk, how would they get to be unprejudiced? How would you group them together so that they fight back? Or how do you get the sheriff not to be a racist? That's hard. It's very hard. Um, education is probably the only way. And to do that, you have to get them out of that environment. And, and it's just really difficult to erase that sort of thing when it's been built into them since early. What about children and how they're brought up in this area? They feel the same way? Um, probably. (laughs) Excuse me. Got a little cough here. Um, probably they, uh, they have this so indoctrinated. You know, it's all they know. That's so scary. unless this you is... get them out of there, it's just going to go on. It's rather frightening. It It is frightening. I know that in my school we had, you know, kids that were, even though they were all African-American, if they were different, one was lighter than the other, sometimes they sort of like went after each other, and we did, we created a peer mediation so that they would have uh, to talk yeah. it out. Because I didn't believe in suspending everybody. And I said, well, I sort of fit in the middle somewhere, and we just talked it out so that no one got in trouble and everybody started to understand and my school pretty much, until this last principal came, we never had a problem like that, ever. Ever. That's Everybody great. got along. Yeah, well, we I, I got into trouble a lot with my other principal because we used to do stuff. My fr- friend, uh, Tom, that passed away, we did things to make the kids good. We did, uh-huh. we, created, we created reasons to get along. 
that there was no such thing as fighting because you didn't like someone or uh, someone was taller than you or whatever. We created a bowling club after school. So those children that no longer got in trouble, I got tortured, and I got to go bowling with them on Friday. And That's great. I, they were really good. It's just I wanted to kill them because we started out with 10, and then the following week we had 15, and the following week we had 25. <laughs> I, I said, how how did you get 25 fourth graders that really difficult, difficult problems to go bowling because they heard you were coming. I go, gee, thanks very much. And, yeah, from from 3 to 6 on Friday, I was, like, ready to fall on my head, but it was worth it. And once a month we did that, and once a month month we played baseball after school. I was the umpire. He tried to pitch. And there were, like, 90 kids. But, you know, you you can force people to be good if you really want to. So why are certain people targeted? Why are certain people, you know, the ones that always are the scapegoats? That's what bothers me. Yeah, it it does seem anybody who's different seems yeah. to be scapegoated. If that's a word, I'm not sure. But you know, people are very afraid of what's different. That that is true, and sometimes they don't want to embrace and learn. It's the differences in people that make things different, that make things great, to me anyway. It is. It is. People are scared of that. People are afraid, I know, because you might learn something, or somebody moves into your building and they're not the same as you, um, you wonder. Uh In this building, you you get a lot of that. I don't talk to too many people. I go, good morning, and they go, like, what? You don't say good morning? You don't say good morning here. <laughs> yes, you do, eventually. <laughs> I mean, I was, it's scary. So how did you decide? How do you decide where to send Sharon? How do you decide what she's going to tackle? Um, it's just what seems to appeal to me at the time. Um I was very interested in those northern counties and, in fact, have a friend who grew up there. And so she loaned me a lot of historical background. Um, The book that I'm currently working on is Mm. set almost completely in San Francisco because I really hadn't addressed what was going on in the city in a long time. you know, a lot is changing there. That that is amazing. That's amazing. It's scary. Yeah. So where do you? So you see her in San Francisco, and what is she going to be tackling? Is she going to be tackling a group of people or something else? Um, what's happening is, and I didn't know this until about a year ago. There are a number of privately owned streets in the city, um, usually just a short block. but And some people who own them don't even know they do. It's, you know, they're, they're 240, I think. And so I'm having things happen on a number of these blocks. You know, nothing um, really major, but disturbances Mm. and she's hired by a coalition of owners who want 
to get to the bottom of this. And, you know, the things escalate. I'm just getting up to the first murder. And this is going to come out when? Um, let's see. Probably fall of next year. Depends on how fast I write it. <laughs> I know how that feels. Oh yeah. It, t- it takes me it takes me forever. My last book is called Population Zero: A World Without People. It's seventy six pages. I won't tell you how long it took to write, and a lot of people uh, hated it, and a lot of people like it. Personally, I don't care. Well, no, it's nine worlds case. that I created. You wouldn't want to live in a world with ice, a world with no sun. Just horrible world. And I invited dead people to come back and experience my world, hoping that people would Uh. stop acting like fools in this one, and they would get the point. They didn't get the Uh point. Yeah, well, some people really got it, and some people said, well, why did you write it? I said, because we're going through a horrible time now, and I figured you'd wake up. And maybe you do an act of kindness for somebody, and this stupid virus will take a hike somewhere. I mean, it's it's scary. I'm glad that you didn't write a book about the virus because I can't stand them anymore. Yeah, you know, I'm not putting that into, I didn't put it into this one, and I'm not Mm. putting it into the one I'm currently working on. Um, There might be a little mention of it, but basically I'm taking the stance that it's over with. I hope so. Oh, yeah. It's, it's I often wonder, so what, did the media have anything to do with what happened in this story? Did they at least cover it or say anything about it? Oh, they did at the end, yeah. It was widely covered. That's, but that's amazing. Again, you know, the media, especially big city media, they're just not interested. And it takes you know, a lot to get them interested well, the media likes to, you know, stories that are like um, have a lot of notoriety or have something yes. against a person. And I noticed that when they talk about the pandemic, I want them to shut up because mm-hmm. they talk about it and they're creating food fuel. Then the CDC says, well, this vaccine is great, but don't take it just in case you have a bad side effect. Don't tell me. I know that. Um, yeah. <laughs> You you wonder yeah. you wonder sometimes you know why why are you if you want people to take the vaccine which is a good idea um, that's up to people then you don't tell them that they're gonna you know could possibly die from the thing and then I think sometimes well, yeah. it's like I also wonder sometimes in these towns or wherever that they have three vaccine and they're playing one against the other to see who's gonna get the most money it's like the pharmaceutical companies oh. why are you creating something to make us worse. So that's oh, why yeah. when I read a book and it has the pandemic in it, I sort of skip the pages. And yeah, well, we've been living with it for so long. Yeah, two you, years. you know, it seems to saturate everything. So is Sharon and going to have a love interest or she's married? She's married. And he was a long-term love interest. And then one day, mm. you know, he... Well, he was flying the plane, and she said, why are we making this turn? And he said, because we're going to Reno to get married. Oh, how cool is that? That is cool. (laughs) Yeah. 
after so, that was fun to do. And he is he's a hostage negotiator. So he oh, wow. um, you know, he has to travel a lot. They've merged their firms, but he's in charge of that aspect of it. And so are they ever gonna do so, a book together? Um possibly. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know yet, but he this one he's there for a fair amount, or the one I'm writing now. And then, you know, he's suddenly gone because he's been called out on a case. So, you know, we see enough of him that they sort of talk around possibilities of what could be happening. But then he goes away and she has to deal on her own. She's pretty much on her own a lot. She's kind of brave to do that. She doesn't have anybody that basically she depends on. No, not really. You know, she she has um, some family, but not a lot. Mm. Um, she's got a brother and and um, what has she got? Well, that's, her father that's died. Her mother died. You know, it's yeah. that kind of thing. She has a number of close friends you know in the city whom you know she can depend upon but uh, it's, it's hard it's hard when you when you're so far away and when you don't have a cell phone it's even worse <laughs> when she got hurt so before we end where can everybody get all of your books I'm sorry oh where um, Where can everybody get all of Amazon, yeah. Barnes and Noble. Um, they can order them through their favorite small neighborhood bookstore, which is what I like to do. Keep the independence floating. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. I I, I Googled myself the other day, just for uh-huh. fun. And yeah. you, you could Google yourself. You'd be amazed. You're in Japan, China, India, everywhere. <laughs> My, my, yeah, it's it, everywhere. It really, I, I couldn't believe it. Yes, yeah, it's sold in a Chinese bookstore, and it's sold in Chinese <laughs> Barnes and Noble and Amazon in England. And I get a kick out of myself because I Google me and I go, I didn't know I did that. I didn't know I was like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm, on, I'm just reviews. I reposted your review today, and it's on Amazon with 27 stars. It really is, and great. it's so great because I haven't been giving five stars to anybody. And there was a couple of, you know, the hardest thing is when you get a book, and it's from um, one, of the, one of the organizations I work with that keeps me very busy is Partners in Crime. They're phenomenal. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, well, they, they, they very even good. gave me a tour, and well, they charge a lot of money, but I do reviews for them, so they feel sorry for me sometimes. And <laughs> um, they, they, sometimes I get a book, like I have one coming in March, that the book is really not great, and it's going to take me... I have to be careful because you don't want to pan. I never pan a book, and I never write a negative book review, ever. Yeah. But if but if the book is going to be kind of hard to talk about, I have to come up with something clever, and I, and I will. So I'm, I'm excited. I've got um, Philip Margolin in March, and I can't believe I got Jane Ann Krantz in April. Ah. This is first. I couldn't believe it. When when they said she asked for it, she must have been listening or something. So lightning in the mirror and whatever else she wants to talk about, I don't care. 
But um, I do hope that I get your next one because I really want to know what happens next with with Sharon. I like this character, and I want to thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's 31 degrees here. (laughs) I don't know how it is by you, but everyone, it's a beautiful day. But what I say at the end of every one of my shows, if everybody would do an act of kindness, to spread the word and spread the kindness, that would be really nice. And then maybe the virus would realize we don't want you anymore because you're not kind. And please That's wear a mask good. outside. Be careful. Just one small yeah. ask, it said on the highway. Wear a mask and protect yourself. Thank you so much, Marsha. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.